Welcome back to Cracking Hacktivism. Last week, we talked to a couple people and gauged public opinion and knowledge on the subject of hacktivism, and then we asked them about their opinions. Today, we're going to talk about a theory that relates somewhat to hacktivism. So today, we just want to talk about uh, a theory that we talked about in class called the principle of least effort, and we'll get into that later, and it kind of relates to hacktivism. And then we want to talk about a survey that we took over the week that was really trying to gauge the top five ways people obtain their information and particularly why they go or why they use those methods to gain that information. We took all those answers and we compiled them into like a, a brief tidbit trying to explain how people's behaviors might differ from the principle of least effort. And we called this difference in how they might behave the private information seeking methodology theory. Now that's a lot of fancy words, but really what it just means is how do you go about finding out something that is supposed to be private about somebody? And we decided to go down that route because activism is really doing just that. How do I find out something that somebody doesn't want me to know in a way that they won't be able to figure out that I was looking for it? So after we talk about our different theories and discuss the survey results, we're going to help you figure out a couple ways not to get hacked. We're going to talk about the most susceptible places that people are going to get hacked. And then we're going to talk about ways that you can protect yourself from being hacked on those websites and through those means. So moving back to the principle of least effort, and this is the theory that we decided would best fit with the topic of hacktivism. And the idea behind it is that when somebody is hunting for a specific piece of information, they're going to use the means or the method that requires the least effort. So. Like if you're trying to figure out somebody's birthday, you wouldn't go back to their high school registration form that they filed in 1990 to figure out when their birthday is. You'd go to Facebook and you'd select that. So it's a pretty simple theory in terms of what it's talking about. But we, we said, okay, well, thinking about it from a hacker standpoint, would anybody choose not to use this principle when they're trying to find information? So that survey that we talked about early, we, earlier, we sent it out and we got some interesting answers. Well, so first, a couple of the questions that we asked, um, we gave a brief description of a situation. We told people that they met somebody and got the phone number and then they lost the phone number. So we said that they know the name of the person, the club or activity on campus that they're involved with, the high school that they attend and a mutual friend's name. So then we asked for a couple sources that they would use to then reconnect with this person to find their phone number. We asked for five different sources, and then we asked them to explain their information-seeking methodology. And so we got some, some funny answers and some serious answers, but some of the funny ones ranged from like going back to the corner where they met them every day at the same time to meet them, uh, to even creepier ones than that. We're not going to talk about it. But most people just said that they were looking to choose the method that was least creepy in this scenario, which, you know, that kind of deviates from the principle of least effort. So that was a good start. But then we found this other one. Uh, this person actually said that they were going to look through a directory to find the phone number. And they chose this because it's, a ver it's very public info and it's a non-traceable method. And that was really good. That's what we were looking for. And we went through a bunch of them. We don't have all the answers aggregated here, but after looking at some, we found one or two, maybe three that were similar to that, where the person said, I didn't want somebody to know that I was looking into them. And that's really good because that deviates from this principle and says, hey, sometimes when people are looking for private information, 
they're going to change how they behave and go through the path of not least resistance. A couple of people even mentioned that it because they are shy, they chose their method specifically because of that, either because they didn't want people to know that they were looking for this person or because they just didn't want to seem creepy, which we're back to the buzzword again with all the Facebook stalking. Right. So at the end of the day, we said we're going to call this theory the principal or sorry, the private seeking methodology theory. And that's just the idea that people change their information seeking habits based on the type of information they're looking for. Moving past that, we're going to start talking about the main topic of this podcast, which is how to protect yourself from being hacked, whether that's by hacktivists or malicious hackers, that doesn't matter. But we're going to talk about the five ways that people get like the top five ways that people get hacked and then maybe some ways to protect yourself from there. And these ways that people get hacked also relate to the survey because a lot of the methods that they chose, we found some very common answers, especially in the top three or four methods. So we went to this website called technologyreview.com and they gave us a list of seven, but we picked the five that we liked. And so the first one, which is always the most cited, easiest way to get hacked is called social engineering. And it's the idea that you will willingly give up your password or your protection by some social means, whether that's somebody tricked you into giving them their, your password or an answer to one of your private security questions, or uh, we have an example in the industry that I'm in, a pregnant lady has her hands full walking into a bank and says, oh my gosh, I can't get the bank door open because my hands are full and you know, I, I'm pregnant, I, I can't do things right now. And so the bank security guard says, oh my goodness, let me get the door for you. That's social engineering. He let her into the bank just because he, or because she tricked her. Another one we saw, I saw a video of this and it was actually at DEF CON, which is a, um, a conference that has to do with a lot, of, all the hackers go there and they discuss different topics. There was a lady who called a phone service with a YouTube clip of a baby crying in the background and she managed to get this other person's information, change the password and everything just by talking to this person on the phone. And so that stuff's pretty crazy that somebody could willingly be tricked into doing it. But it happens all the time. People give up their passwords for free all the time because they get tricked into thinking that the other person is trustworthy. And so we'll move into how to protect yourself from this stuff later. But the next one is phishing. And phishing is thrown around all the time, but what, what is it? I mean, if you haven't ever been told what it is, you might not know. And I guess my example with the person calling in, that's also called vishing, and they're very related, whereas phishing is sending out something, acting as a different party, and then getting this person to trust that third party to give you their information. Whereas this lady called in and acted like she was a very busy mother and that she needed help and that her husband wasn't communicating with her and that she didn't know the password. So this person gave her the password. So with phishing, how this works is typically it's an email sent out and they're impersonating a website that you probably use or another service like a bank service. And they say, oh my goodness, I need you to reset your password because we changed our privacy policy and your password is out of date. So you click on the link, it looks like a normal web page from the website and you fill in your login information because that's how you start the password reset. But then when you do it, it fails. And you keep trying to do it and you're like, whatever, I don't care, I'm backing off. A week later, your account's been hacked. I mean, this is really big right now. Penn State, they send out the 
password updates, like you update your password. In the past week, I've gotten two emails from fake Penn State update accounts. And the one way you can tell is by the links in the email address or just looking at the email address itself that can kind of put a cover over it. And especially with a large corporation such as a university, as soon as they get that one password, they have access to so many different so many different sites that you would normally have access to. So they have so much of your information. So real quick, the way to protect yourself or the way to recognize this one typically is look for typos, look for mysterious links and be ready. Just know that they're out there, that they are trying to get your information. Always verify that you're going to the website you want to go to. The next way that people get hacked is through something called a Trojan. And then we should say the next three, these are things that are very malicious in nature. So a Trojan and the one after that is Keylogger. They're both viruses that you have to download onto your computer. So this would be that you actually went and downloaded some file that's infected with one of these viruses and then it immediately hides itself in your computer somewhere where you probably can't find it. Oftentimes antivirus programs pick these things up, but sometimes they don't. For Trojans, it allows them to get backdoor access into your computer and they can change almost anything they want. Sometimes that just shows up as malware, pop-ups blocking up while you're browsing the internet. But other times it shows up as they stole your private information hidden in documents in your computer or you, it allows them to control your computer when you're not around or your webcam. It's really scary what Trojans can do and so you need to be, be careful that if you're downloading a file, you know exactly what you're downloading and who you're downloading it from. Keyloggers, on the other hand, are another virus that you download that tracks every single keystroke you make on your keyboard. And the idea here is that by looking at every keystroke, a hacker or a malicious organization can piece together all of the words and sentences that you've typed out and can say, okay, how often does uh, Luke Sinisbet one my username, and Password1, a fake password, show up in tandem. So if Luke Sinisbet Password1, Luke Sinisbet Password1, Luke Sinisbet Password1 shows up all the time, they know that that's my account information. And now all they have to do is look at what URLs I typed in right before I typed in that. So that's how they use these keyloggers to get access to your account. And again, you really the only way to protect yourself from this is don't download programs or files that you don't know where they're coming from or what they contain. And the last way that people get hacked is brute force. And this is really uncommon. But the idea here is that somebody creates a computer program that tries to log into a specific account over and over and over and over again using different password lists. So passwords, when they're compromised, are put on lists online and they're sold to hacker organizations and these hacker organizations just iterate through that list over and over again trying to figure out if your account matches a specific password. So the key to, to dodging this is really if your password has been compromised in one place, make sure that you get rid of that password in every location. So if your Facebook password is compromised, but you use it for your bank account and for your Twitter and for anything else, change all of those immediately. So for most of these also, uh, a big way to avoid any of these is just to keep updating your software. Whenever you're, I know it's annoying, but whenever on your computer it keeps telling you you need to update new update available and you keep saying, remind me later, 
this is a big way that you become vulnerable to malicious attacks. Um, another way is to change your password frequently. Do not use the same password for everything and you can track or you can sign up for alerts as to when there's a new login for certain sites for your account. Continuing off that, you, you don't want to save your password anywhere really. Passwords are best kept and most secure when they're just in your head. So don't write them down on your desk. Somebody who walks in could easily take that. That's social engineering. Uh, don't save your passwords in a file on your computer. If you have a virus, they have access to that. And make sure that your router is protected. So if your router doesn't have a password on it or some other form of authentication, somebody can see all the files on your computer immediately. They have access to that just by connecting to your internet. So she said, update your devices, change your passwords periodically. We just said, make sure that you're not writing them down or that they're not unsecured. Uh, the other one would be to choose passwords better. And the idea behind this is that you choose a different password for every website. And not, now that's really complicated because I mean, I have trouble remembering two passwords, but there are apps out there that you can use such as 1Password or LastPass that allow you to assign passwords to websites and the app itself is password protected. So that's really another form of protection in a way that you can remember your password. So all of those tips, they either came from technologyreview.com or this Fox News article actually that came out with simple seven simple steps to protect yourself. There's tons of places out there that you can get this information, not just from us, not just from them, but Google it, look it up on your own time. Make sure you're protected because we've heard horror stories about people losing their entire bank account to some hacker organization out there who's looking for all their information. Don't be the next victim to this stuff. That's the whole point of this podcast. So in closing, today we talked about the principle of least effort. We talked about the survey we took and the information we got from it and how we titled that new or that new uh, theory, the private information seeking methodology. We went over some common ways that people get hacked and we talked about different ways that you can protect yourself from this. Sadly, this is our last podcast for the semester, but we were happy to do these things and we hope you enjoyed them. Yeah, thanks for listening to Cracking Hacktivism. Music